a code red for humanity, curb emissions and dramatically reduce consumption or face a world that is fundamentally different. When Kermit the Frog sang, it's not easy being green. I want you to know that he was wrong. He was wrong. There is no planet B. There is no planet blah. Blah, 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 blah. It is unequivocal that human activities are responsible for climate change. If unprecedented changes are not made and made soon, there will be irreversible damage to the planet. Zero carbon. East tall. Hello and welcome to Zero Carbon Easter Series 3, The Sky's the Limit. I'm Ian Collins and this is the UK's number one green-based podcast. As we approach an extended bank holiday weekend, we arrive in Podland a day earlier than usual. This changes nothing. We have a basket full of stories to look at this morning and our man on the hunt for some Easter scalps is the green entrepreneur and environmentalist Dale Vince. Morning, Dale. Awesome. Morning, Ian. How's things? All good. I, I imagine you don't really do Easter. No, not really. I mean, you're a bit pissed off with Christmas, aren't you? So, <laughs> well, I wish you'd leave me alone. Well relegated. Uh, kind of Easter. Easter is such a small thing, really, and you know, it's not like Christmas, which dominates life. So, I can yeah. I can ignore Easter, and it ignores me, and it's all fine. That's good. That's good. It's been a busy week. There's a lot to get through here. Let's start with the judge and the insulate Britain story. This is amazing, isn't it? Really, because I've sensed, and we've talked about it a number of times, that you know when insulate Britain are out there, and you know we know that to many people this is hassle and it's you know gluing to the roads and it causes. Talk about that another time. But the fact is, is it changing the narrative? That's always the question, isn't it? Is it changing the terms of engagement? Are people talking about it in a different way? And clearly they are, and it, it comes when a judge even says that. The protesters inspire him. Yeah. I mean, an amazing story, really. I was on talk radio with your colleague, uh, Julia Hart Brewers, or Brewery Hart, I'm not really sure. Julia Hartley Brewery. Hartley, <laughs> yeah, got Julia Brewers Hart. I, I was like close. That. <laughs> I was close. And we were talking about this, and she was saying exactly that thing you touched upon, like these uh, protests are annoying, they're disrupting life, The you know, the people should leave us alone so we can get on with our lives. Climate change is not real, by the way. We've been, you know, like, threatened by it for 30 years and all this kind of stuff. And then we touched on this story about the judge who, having listened to the protesters from Insulate Britain, was so moved, he said he's going to change how he lives. He's going to reduce his own impact. Uh, but sadly, he said it's his sworn duty as a judge to find them because they broke the law, a bit like Boris Johnson, obviously. And, um, <laughs> you know, I think it made for a great story because I was saying to Julia, if you listen to what these people have got to say, then, you know, it, it will impact you. And the protests are clearly getting through because we're talking about it on talk radio it's it's on tv it's in the courtrooms it's being reported in the press you know it's bringing attention to the issue and like i told julie we can't have a protest without disruption because mm. then nothing changes and um, and quite frankly the bigger crime is to drill for oil and gas in the north sea and drive us towards climate change that's the bigger crime crime against humanity in fact it's interesting, isn't it, that not many years ago a judge would never have said that. You'd have had a judge talking about these outrageous disruptors coming in and curtailing people's plans, getting in the way of folk going from A to B. Um, and here he was in inspired by them. I mean, that is – you can't really understate how big that is. It's impressive because, you know, like a judge is, is the ultimate part of the establishment really, isn't he? Correct. Yeah, it's exactly that. Here's a question from Mark on Twitter. Any updates on geothermal energy – uh, when does it come online in the UK? Tell us more. Well, for the uninitiated, what is it? 
Yeah, geothermal energy. Uh, it's, a, it's a really exciting form of renewable energy that comes from deep underground. If you drill deep enough, like a kilometer or two, you can tap into hot water, bring it to the surface and use it to drive turbines like you would in a fossil fuel power station. Uh, you know, it's just steam driven turbines. Uh, but in this case, the heat source won't run out and doesn't pollute. And in the case of Cornwall, it's got the most amazing byproduct because the water underground there is rich in lithium. And the guys that are planning the first project, I'm not sure how far away they are from getting it uh, running. They're basically focused on the lithium slightly more now than the energy, which is really interesting. It's become a lithium mine that also makes energy. And, and what is the, the timetable on this? Because that was, I think, the root of his question. Yeah, no, I don't know. Um, I haven't had an update in terms of timing, but I would hope it's not very long. I'm going to have to check. Um, here's an interesting story. For the first time, the world is in a position to limit global heating to under two Celsius. This is according to a, the first, well, I suppose the first analysis, really, of the net zero pledges made by nations after COP26. Yeah, really interesting. And again, it came up in conversation this morning with Julia. She's like, oh, I'm sick of hearing about net zero and all this kind of stuff. When is it going to be enough for you? And I said to her, when we, when we actually implement them. And this is the problem. This story says we've got the policies now globally to stay under two degrees but we have to use it. We have to hit them. You know, we have to have the policy behind the target that, that means we do hit them. And no country in the world is on course to meet its targets yet. But the the template is there is the point here, right? That's right, which is a good thing. You know, it's obviously big progress because we've obviously got the kind of, I want to call it loosely policy, but really as targets, we've got the targets. Uh, we know what we need to do. And now somebody has to have the courage actually to implement the policies behind that to get us over the line. Question from Andrew on Facebook. Getting out the barbecue this weekend, what's the vegan item I should put on to blow my friends' minds? <laughs> well, for me, it's the Devil's Kitchen shiitake mushroom burger. They are awesome. Yeah. Um, just simply, simply I, I sense you sort of have that for breakfast now because <laughs> I do actually I do and sometimes I have it for breakfast and lunch I just stick it in a bun with a bit of chili sauce and, and that's me done you know it's a, like a four or five hundred calorie high protein low fat uh, piece of food that's amazing so not only does it taste nice it's actually very healthy yeah super healthy um, let's move from what a judge said to what a conservative councillor said uh, this is a video of Plymouth's new conservative council leader Richard Bingley uh, and which appears to suggest people should not worry about the climate crisis and whether the world is still livable in or not over the next half century. Mad, isn't it? It's mad that these people still exist. He speaks well of you. <laughs> I doubt that somehow. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting, isn't it? What I'm always fascinated by this is that if somebody, okay, people have different opinions and that's fine, but when somebody like Councillor Richard Bingley, now without even looking up, I would bet, and I would walk into Paddy Power tomorrow and place a bet, that Richard Bingley knows jack shit about environmental issues. That's a safe bet, actually. I, so, I, so there he is, proclaiming that actually, nothing to worry about here, mate, everything's fine. And I'm thinking, what's his qualification for this? And the answer is his desire to want to think it, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like... Uh, I don't know, some kind of confirmation bias or something in that, you know, yeah, these stories, they go around in between pretty much right-wing politicians and, and, and media, and they just reinforce them by telling them to each other. And the more they hear them, the more they believe them, or the, the more they say them, and it becomes a reality for them. Absolutely. Uh, but here's a football question. And it's this from Helen on Twitter. Does getting promoted through the leagues make it any harder 
to stick to your principles at Forest Green Roversdale? No, it doesn't. We had a fans forum last night and um, one of the questions that came over the internet, I think it was, was, is there any amount of money that would uh, cause me to allow a betting company onto the front of our football shirt? And that was a simple answer, no. Our principles are our principles. And going up to the leagues of football is part of our plan in order to increase our reach and build a bigger platform for our message through football. And so we celebrate that. And absolutely, we won't deviate from what we believe in and what we do. Good work. And in terms of the pressure around you, having said that, because I'm in the heart of, I think, what that question is, is that are there some sort of irredeemable realities that you won't be able to swerve certain things? Uh, No. VAR, maybe. (laughs) Can't swerve that, can you? (laughs) And the handball rule. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, no, look, I, I guess it's a fair question. People wonder about that. In the same way that people often say to me about Forest Green, it's all very well doing it at your level, but surely it can't be done by a big club. Uh, actually, it's the other way around. It's harder to do it the smaller you are, actually, uh, because your budget's much smaller for everything. And, and moving up through the leagues of football, it won't make our job harder at all. Not, not at all. In fact, it probably will make it easier. I think that you know we'll have extra revenue next year in League One from the league and from our attendances, which will go up, and advertising and all this kind of stuff. And we'll spend it all on the budget, the playing budget. So in financial terms, we'll stand still, uh, but we'll be playing at a much higher level, uh, much more visible to more people. I mean, it'll just be a fantastic thing. We're all really yeah. excited about it. Absolutely. And it does. I mean, obviously, the pressure ramps up. But, I mean, the excitement levels, right? Who doesn't want to be promoted? That's fantastic. I mean, it just puts you, you know, I was about to say put you in another league. I mean, literally put you in another league. <laughs> that's right. Clearly, by definition, that's sort of yeah. the point. But every, everything changes, doesn't it? The whole, yeah. The whole kind of environment around it becomes far bigger, far more exciting, hmm. far more risky, but in a good way. And it, it brings credibility to our environment message. The higher up in the leagues of football we go, the more credibility that has. Yeah. Um, so it's a wonderful thing. I mean, League One is, is a good standard of football. Our, our ultimate aim is championship. So we'll be uh, two out of three into our promotion plan. Uh, absolutely. Me. I mean, all, all pro leagues are good standard, aren't they, when you think about it? I mean, yeah, they are. People often go, well, you know, I, I could beat X team, Y team. Try and stand in goal while somebody takes a penalty, even if they're in the lowest of divisions. And you, know, you, 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 get, you get an idea of what a pro footballer looks like. Yeah, definitely. Um, this, this is an interesting one. I know you sent this across in the week because you, you, you spied this one. Vegan diets are healthier and safer for dogs because that's always been, hasn't it? A big issue around yeah. this. Whenever it gets debated, somebody goes, yeah, but what about my Jack Russell? He loves a bone. Um so therefore, you can't take the, the the meat from a dog, but apparently you can. Yeah, absolutely, there is that practical issue for for pet owners and, and pet lovers. But actually, for me, the story is is slightly different because if you get into a debate about plant based living, veganism versus eating meat and that kind of stuff, quite frequently you'll find that the people that are opposed to it will revert to the argument that we are carnivores, that we're made to eat meat, and that That's and, right. you know dogs are. Dogs are carnivores, actually. You know, they've got the teeth for it, the digestive system for it uh, that we don't have. We aren't actually literally carnivores. We're omnivores. Um, But here you have a carnivore that is actually healthier eating plants. And I love that because it, you know, it smashes through this false argument anyway that, um, that we're made to eat meat. Even if we were like a dog, we can still be healthier eating plants. If Colonel Sanders was alive today, would he be a vegan, do you think? (laughs) <laughs> would he have made the journey and gone i got it all wrong <laughs> close the chicken shops 
<laughs> I think we've got a chicken story coming next, haven't we, actually? We have. There's a chicken yeah. story on the way. Let's bring you this question from Ryan, uh, who emailed, my local solar installer tells me it's going to be end of summer before he can get to me. Because of global demand, the price of panels has increased almost twofold. How on earth do we encourage more people to do the right thing when stuff like this happens at every opportunity? Because there's a bit of a perfect storm dial, isn't there? Because there is a shortage of stuff generally. Anyone's having any building work done will tell you, you know, the the things that you went to the local supplier for are now, you know, sitting in a warehouse across the other side of the world. There's things like that. That's made things more expensive. Demand is up as well, which is, again, as, you know, fed into the issue as well. So there is a problem. Yeah, there is. And ironically, this problem is caused by people doing the right thing. Actually, more and more people want to install solar. Um, it, there's been a particular spike because of the energy crisis. The economics of home solar now look fantastic. And more and more people want to do it just at a time when there are supply chain problems as well. And uh, yeah, uh, delivery times are stretching. Prices are going up. That's how it is. And in a way, it's a good thing because you know it's a sign of uh, big demand for solar yep. energy for for people to go energy independent and and the sign that people are getting it you know that uh, they've got to do something and can do something themselves so you know i kind of celebrate it i think it'll be short term the delivery problems because you know factories in china probably will of react course. to that and crank up production but it will iron out it will uh, it's a blip rather than a, a absolutely an ongoing problem yeah absolutely and and it'll it'll provide the driver for the factories to increase output so it's a good thing sure Let's go to that chicken story. This is actually the north end of outrageous, this story, because I've seen a couple of comments on this already, chickens that have been labelled free-range despite never going outside. They've really stretched the definition of the word (laughs) free-range. I know. I mean, free-range of what? In a cage. Free-range in a dark shed. I know. I know. But the the scandal really, I think, that this helps to expose is the definition of, definition of free range anyway. That This story is about bird flu. And because of bird flu, chickens that are described as free range are being kept permanently indoors. But even before bird flu, chickens described as free range were anything but a very long way from being free range. And yeah. it's, it's one of those big marketing cons of the food industry you know, to describe this as a free-range chicken or a happy chicken or a happy cow. Do you know what I mean? You know how it goes. Red tractor, you know, that's a guarantee of looking after things. Yeah, and when when you think of free-range, you know, in my head, I've got the good life, you know, the old sitcom, and kind of a big old field and the chickens are on the mooch and they're, you know, they're sitting in a hammock relaxing, reading a book and doing their own thing. You never see that. You never see a big old patch of land with a shed load of chickens on the mooch. In fact, they're in the shed. Now, the difference between a free-range chicken and a battery chicken pre the um, bird flu was very small, and now with bird flu, it's non-existent. Uh, final one on animal rights as well. Uh, this from Catherine on Twitter. Any news on how the anti-hunting crowdfunder is going to be used? Uh, yeah, actually, although I don't know if we're going to broadcast it, but I met the guys last week. We've got a fairly comprehensive plan to revisit the um, uh, the dead dog issue, for want of a better way to describe it, and the biosecurity yeah. issue, the breaches and that kind of stuff. There's some other issues around hunting that we're going to visit, uh, some other kind of factory farming that we're going to extend slightly into, uh, fish farming. And, um, yeah, we've got a good plan to spend the entire budget and within, Brilliant. I hope, six months, we'll have some outcome. What was the response from the, just remind us, now, from the farm itself that was, you know, doing horrible things to hunting dogs? Oh, well, it, it wasn't a farm. It was it was the hunts people themselves, actually. 
um, uh, they haven't made a public response. So there's no no public response at all to, no. to, to what is pretty damning no. uh, and unsavory but, evidence. But we did have a response, which uh, somebody pointed out to me the other day. We never made public, and it probably is worth making so. So the, the, at the heart of the story, there was... Uh, the fact that dogs are being killed routinely by hunt kennels and thrown in bins and used to make electricity. And uh, part of that exposure was that Eon and Centrica, or British Gas, were buying that electricity. And kind of deeply into the expose, I got a phone call from the chief executive of British Gas, and we had a long chat. It was a lovely man. Um, and he talked about the biosecurity issues and other kinds of stuff. And at the end, I realized why he called me. He said he called me to thank me for making him aware that they were buying this stuff and they were going to stop. Wow. And I was like, wow, that's impressive. Well, it is, because that's all you can ask for, isn't it, really? That was <laughs> the, the whole point of being able to film it and expose it, is to stop it. And if somebody that is utilising it unwittingly is now saying, no, actually, we will stop this, then it's kind of job done. It doesn't completely address the issue that some people think that's the way to treat dogs, but it certainly is part of the part of the issue solved. That's what we have to do. We have to get information in front of people, whether it's about the climate crisis or animal rights issues or, or, the, or the crossover, yep. you know, using dogs to make electricity. We just get it in front of people so that sure. people have the chance to make changes themselves. Dale, that is it for this episode. Uh, too having quickly. A, yeah, it doesn't it just. Have a cracking Easter, by the way. Um, <laughs> you, that wasn't meant to be some kind of pun. Some kind of pun. Uh. No, no, no. I wouldn't go there uh, often. But whatever you're doing, I mean, it's four days off, but you're never really off, are you? No. No, no, but I am off to Barrow tomorrow for oh, the, the first of our last six football games in League Two. Of course, exciting times. Have a good week, Dale. Yeah, cheers in. That's it for this episode. Don't forget to follow this podcast from your podcast provider so that you get each new episode automatically and leave a review there as well. You can get in touch, zerocarbonista at ecotricity.co.uk. And the really important bit, make sure you follow Dale on social media, which is twitter.com slash Vince facebook.com slash dalevitz zero carbon east off